0: The thing that surprised me most was how much literature there was out there on food as an academic subject. Right. Um, my library at home just grew exponentially. Okay. And um, I guess the other thing that really surprised me was everything I found out led to three more things to learn. You say, Colin.
1: <laughs> you know, for me, you're in the future. Like, uh, like a man on the moon or in a tin pan. Welcome to the Eat
0: Radio Podcast. And here's your host, Colin Pope from Eat Magazine. Thank mm-hmm. you.
1: and welcome back to the Eat Magazine podcast. Cullen here. If it's your first time here, please uh, make yourself comfortable. We've got a great show for you today. To all of our regulars, this is a really exciting, uh, an exciting moment for me. I'm uh, back at the Sydney Fish Market and I'm outside the Sydney Seafood school here and i'm just about to make my way in there and i'm looking for the manager of the seafood school and i'm looking to pick up a couple of tips uh hopefully for a lunch that i'm going to be cooking this afternoon and uh, let's see if we can find them now Hi, it's Cullen here from the Eat Magazine podcast, and I'm very fortunate today to be at the market, and I'm going to be talking to you a little bit about that. I'm here with Roberta Muir, who is the manager of the the Sydney Seafood School. Thank you for joining us, Roberta.
0: My pleasure, Cullen.
1: Now, I understand that you've also got, is it a Master's in...
0: Gastronomy. Gastronomy. Mm -hmm, From Adelaide University.
1: Right. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that?
0: Okay. um, Well, it was a course that Adelaide University started about 10 or more years ago in conjunction with Le Cordon Bleu. Mm -hmm. And there's very few, I think there's only four universities in the world, two in the US, Adelaide in Australia and the Slow Food University in Italy that offer postgraduate studies in gastronomy. Um, it's it's interesting. It's not le- about learning to cook. It's not a practical course at all. It's okay. purely academic. And it's about looking at the history of food, um, food in culture, um, food tourism, certainly, all the different aspects of food and food writing.
1: Right. And uh, what was the surprising, I, I guess there would have been a few things that you learned that you might have surprised you. Do you want to share a couple of
0: those? Mm, Okay, that's a tricky one. The thing that surprised me most was how much literature there was out there on food as an academic subject. Um, My library at home just grew exponentially. And um, I guess the other thing that really surprised me was everything I found out led to three more things to learn. So that whole exponential growth, it's just amazing. Okay. And
1: what about culturally? Was there anything that you you learned that in terms of food and food culture in different parts of the world that you
0: thought? I guess it it reinforced what I already knew, um, that, you know, food is fundamental to virtually every culture. There's no culture that doesn't have deep-rooted traditions around food, around the sharing of food, um, around the symbolism of different foods. And I guess the foods that have been with us longest, things like, Well, for Western culture, bread, bread and salt. You know, there's so much mythology and tradition around bread and salt. Um, In Switzerland, where my husband comes from, when someone buys a new house, um, someone that is close to you or a family member, you bring them a gift of bread and salt because those two things are so valuable. Um, You know, salt was highly prized. It wasn't always widely available. And bread is the staff of life.
1: Right, and it's interesting you said that, because when I think about it, I guess over the last few years there has been a kind of explosion in, in different kinds of breads and sourdoughs mm. and, and, that are available now every day, that, that people gluten-free, the whole sort of range of breads, are, are really, there's so many now. And then also when I think about it, salt. I've got some wonderful smoked salt, which I'm going to be cooking with later today. Um, somebody picked up some Himalayan salt on the way to Sydney yes. yesterday and texted me and said, "I'm bringing you some Himalayan salt." And I said, "I guess you're not in the Himalayas." No, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not. You're right. So, are you seeing then in the seafood school, are you seeing this, I guess, relationship with the bread and salt also changing with people? Is there
0: that's an interesting point, Colin. I hadn't really thought about it. Um, at the Seafood School, we normally use the beautiful Murray River pink salt, right, which yeah. is something that I guess has only been available to us in the last 15 years or so. Most of the chefs love that. Yeah. Um, Bread-wise, I guess we almost take for granted mm. the diversity of bread that's available. So yeah. we use a lot of sourdough. We buy sourdough baguettes from Gregory's Bread here Gregory on yeah. site yeah. and we use them quite often. But sometimes we'll get specialty bread in that's a bata or the beautiful Sonoma miche oh. and... Um, Uh, pide. We often get Turkish Middle Eastern pide. We use flatbreads. We're seeing more tortillas used by chefs. Um, So yeah, I guess I just kind of took it for granted that we live in such a multicultural city that that's just part of what we work with, isn't it?
1: That's right. Yeah, every day now. And uh, I wanted to ask you, I know that you probably get this all the time, but I think, I guess our listeners would be feeling the same way. A lot of people are... uh, terrified of undercooking seafood but in actual way the reality is a lot of people tend to overcook it is
0: absolutely that is, that, that is true and look a lot of people are scared of cooking seafood sure. that's a big reason that the seafood school is as successful right. as popular as it is okay, sure. you know people feel happy cooking a piece of steak or cooking a piece of chicken yeah. but there's this perception that a seafood is expensive yeah. which these days i certainly would discount yeah Given that we often are spending more money on good quality beef or free-range chicken or something, oh, right. seafood becomes quite affordable. Yeah, yeah. Um, the other perception is that seafood's hard to cook, and that's just plain wrong. Because yeah. seafood's actually quicker and easier than other protein. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, and you've you've touched on it, people overcook it, Right. and they don't need to.
1: And so, how do you how do you how do you train, how do you give people the confidence to not overcook
0: it? Okay, so there's a few things to consider and really it all comes down to practice. Sure. But one of the important things to know in Australia and certainly in the major cities like Sydney where our seafood is so fresh, it's, you could eat most of it raw. Right. So, you don't have to, it's not like the old days where we cooked proteins in order to ensure they were safe to eat. Sure. Um, so, so long as you're buying good quality, fresh Australian seafood, you don't have to be scared of, you know, you don't have to cook it to death to make it safe. Right. It's safe when it gets to you. So, that's one thing. The other thing is, it's a little bit like cooking pasta, which is also practice. You have to be brave enough to take it off the heat when it's not yet cooked because there's this whole residual heat thing and because the flesh of fish let's forget squid and prawns and other things just for a moment and talk about fin fish because the flesh of fish is quite delicate and fragile more so than the denser muscle of chicken or red meat um, it cooks quicker and it continues cooking in the residual heat a lot more so,
1: right, yes. Yeah. So I think most people probably wouldn't understand that. I mean, I learned that very early on in my uh, cooking days, uh, you know, that when you take a, a piece of meat off and it's in the pan, you know, you let it rest. But in the actual, resting. It, it keeps cooking. Mm-hmm. And so I think, I guess, just applying that to pe- to fish if people just apply that mentality to fish, then the actual fact, is going to continue cooking for another five minutes. That's part it, of
0: that process. It is. And um, you've touched on something else that's interesting, Cullen, and that's the resting. Because all of our chefs stress that it's just as important to rest fish as it is to rest red red meat. And I think people are used to the idea of resting meat now, but people don't think about resting a piece of fish.
1: Yeah, and I wonder if there's almost a kind of perception that it's fresh and it's cooked now and somehow if I get it to the plate five minutes faster, it's going to be fresher than if I waited five minutes. This this is a crazy thought, but I'm sure it happens.
0: We sometimes get obsessed with eating our food piping hot, and I think that's the the British ancestry that some of us have. But if we embrace the Mediterranean culture from all the many, many, many Mediterranean's that have come to live in Australia and we look at our own climate, in the Mediterranean you tend to eat things a lot more at room temperature or at least at outdoor lovely summer temperature. So, you know, food doesn't have to be piping hot. In fact, we know that when it's piping hot or freezing cold, it doesn't taste as Strongly, We don't get the full flavour of it. So there's nothing wrong with letting your food cool down just a little.
1: Okay, brilliant. I wanted to ask you, um, I'm going to give the Seafood School website address at the end of the interview, mm-hmm. but I wanted to ask you, I was looking at a few recipes. The, uh, and I was looking at some of the classes and I wanted to just briefly talk about some of the seafood classes. Mm-hmm. And, and then I know that you're doing some other classes that don't involve seafood,
0: More than so seafood.
1: Yeah, more <laughs> than seafood. That's right. So um, from memory, when I was looking at those um, the seafood classes, I noticed that it, to me there was a whole variety. Uh, I can't recall all of them now, but there was, There's it was, quite a few. It was barbecue and then there was a, like an Asian fusion, is that right? Do you want to tell um, us a little okay. bit about
0: some of those? Yeah, look, if pretty much whatever people want to eat and cook, we, we do. So we have a whole range of na- national cuisines. We have a whole range of cooking styles and we have a number of classic dishes. So, you know, one of our simplest classes is probably paella. So a a lovely Spanish seafood paella with quite a variety of seafood in it. Um, We also have a tapas class and a Spanish class. Um, There are a number of barbecuing classes. Seafood barbecue is our most popular way of cooking. We run a barbecue class almost every week. Um, then there's themes around quick and easy because people want that they want to get home and have something delicious on the table in 30 minutes so we do a quick and delicious a fast and fabulous they're both just different ways of saying we'll give you three recipes that you can whip up in 30 minutes that the family will love but actually they're smart enough that you'd be happy to do them for casual entertaining right. we do Moroccan we do Thai we um, We've done all sorts of things over the years and, you know, sometimes they come and go, sometimes they stay around for a long time. And
1: how uh, how far ahead do people have to book? I guess it depends on numbers, but I guess it does sooner vary. rather than later is better if people try and get in early. Yeah, look, I see some classes can fill up.
0: They can fill up, yeah. but what we are finding is more and more people don't want to commit too far in advance. Right, sure. So, you know, we kind of roll with that. Right. Yes, chefs, we have some very big name chefs teach at the school okay. and they can sell out quickly. You know, Alessandra Pavoni, Giovanni Pilu Phil Wood, oh, right. Dan Hong, um, certainly Matt Moran has taught here, not for a couple of years, he's a very busy man now. <laughs> um, <laughs> Guillaume Brahimi, you know, lots oh. of the chefs teach here. Yeah. And... Um, they tend to sell out quickly because yep. they're not on the program all the time. Sure. Um, things like barbecue, Moroccan, chilli crab, we run them often enough that if you can't get into one, you just book a bit further ahead for the next one.
1: Okay. And how confident do people need to be to come into a class? Because I guess, I guess there would be some people that might think, look, you know, I'm just at the pasta boiling stage where I've just managed to boil an egg. Mm. Is it okay for them to come into a
0: class? Yeah, that's a bit like cleaning the house before the cleaners arrive, that's isn't a, yeah. it? We're a cooking school. You yeah. don't have to know anything. We're here to teach you. You can be an absolute novice. You know, then you if you're an absolute novice, you probably don't book into a four-hour guest chef workshop with a three-hatted chef. That might be a bit ambitious, but you come along and you learn chilli crab or paella or we have a great class called Seafood Basics, which is built around the Sydney Seafood School cookbook where we teach you how to fillet a fish, strip a squid break down a crab, right. um, work with mussels. Yeah. So we kind of cover the main seafood groups and, you know, what you do with um, mussels applies to what you do with vongole or pippies. You know, right. what you do with crab is quite similar in some ways to what you're going to do with prawns or rock lobster. Right. So that's the real basics and you get a copy of the Seafood School cookbook to take home.
1: Okay, sounds brilliant. So I guess the other thing that you're teaching people is you're teaching people some other general cooking schools as well. Which, of course. Which many people might not have, even just maybe some simple chopping stuff. So there's a real sort of A to Z experience for
0: people. In that that, that's place. absolutely right, Colin. Our presenters, whether they're the guest chefs or whether they're our in-house presenters, have been cooking for a very long time. Right. and. There's no way we could teach you about cooking seafood without giving you skills that apply to red meat or, you know, even a lot of our recipes. If you wanted to go home and cook a piece of steak or cook a piece of chicken and incorporate those recipes, you could. But, you know, as you say, things like how to chop, how to store, how to keep herbs fresh, you know, the best way to get most juice out of a lemon. People love those simple little hints that all of the presenters give.
1: Brilliant. And I want to ask you also, I I, I guess more than fish, I, I was surprised when I was on your website and I saw these other these other menus popping up Do you yeah want
0: to tell us about? well it, it is something new that we've just started and um, it's triggered by a couple of things Sydney fish market is more than fish right. you know we have Vix meat market here which is you know Australia's best butchery we have the Parisi's running our fruit and vegetable shop they like fruit and veg royalty we've got a fabulous deli so We've got a lot of great produce on the site that is more than seafood. And then I've got all these amazing chefs that are, you know, at my disposal (laughs) as the talent. And... They cook more than fish, sure. you know. We're doing a dessert class with Christine Manfield because she's famed for her oh, desserts. Sure. So why wouldn't we tap into all of that? We've got a fabulous cooking facility, and um, we just want to teach people how to go home and prepare fabulous food. And we hope a lot of that will be seafood.
1: All right, awesome. Look, just wrapping up. Can I ask you what's what's the what's the number one tip that you want to give people if they're just buying a piece of seafood here at mm-hmm. the first time? What's what's just one thing that they should think about in terms of getting it home, and uh, what's a nice, easy place for people to start, perhaps?
0: Okay, so in terms of getting it home, or in terms of cooking it? In terms of cooking
1: it, just something. Okay, very
0: so probably the single biggest, best tip I can give you is buy your fish fillet skin on, right. even if you don't like eating the skin. Sure. Buy it skin on. Yeah. Get your pan a really nice, clean, heavy base pan, nice and hot bit of butter, bit of oil, whatever you want to cook with, and put your fish in, skin side down, and leave it there. Right. Okay? And if you look at the fillet, you'll see that it's becoming opaque up the side of the fillet. Right. And you cook it for about three quarters of the time on the skin yeah. because that skin is protecting the delicate flesh. Exactly. And you'll see that it's nearly cooked. Yeah. Then you can flip it over and take the pan off the heat. And let it rest. And let it rest. Yeah and if you don't like the skin then peel the skin off but cook it with the skin on
1: all right that's absolutely fantastic thank you so much for joining us i know you've got a busy schedule today so i really appreciate you taking the time it's
0: my pleasure thank you Colin.
1: cheers Wow, wasn't that uh, fantastic? Roberta was very generous indeed uh, with her advice. And um, look, I just wanted to give you the website here before I uh, forget. Uh, I'm thinking about a lot of things today. And so if you go to uh, sydneyfishmarket.com.au, that's S-Y-D-N-E-Y-F-I-S-H-M-A-R-K-E et.com.au and uh, once you get onto the website it's very easy there uh to find uh, the seafood school uh the Sydney seafood school and of course um Really amazing uh, looking range of things coming up there. I just had a quick look now. I know they change all the time, and so um, I think there was a quick and delicious. I looked at that's the you know the three thirty minute meals, the great Aussie barbecue, sensational simple seafood. Uh, they've got an Italian chef that does a fantastic guest appearance. Um, hugely, he was a hugely popular contestant on Master Chef. I won't give you his name. I'll let that be a surprise. Uh, fast and fabulous a lot of spanish mediterranean uh, there's there's of course as i said there's uh, some italian uh, classes there as well and so really interesting i think it'd be a great way to spend a night of course you can have a glass of wine and away you go and even plenty of classes during the day as well so I really encourage you to uh, check that out. I'd like to do one of those classes at some stage. Uh, I'm not sure when that will happen, but I have got um, enough time to go and get some seafood. I've got some friends coming for lunch, and we're going to try and record this as a podcast. It's coming out (laughs) much later on, much later in the season, um, so you'll be able to listen. I'm not sure how it's going to go as a podcast, but we're going to record it anyway and um so so that's it from me great to have you all uh, with us certainly uh, everybody from asia europe uh, africa other parts of the world and particularly obviously america uh, really good to have all of you with us and uh, i look forward to catching you at the next show cheers